Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. We're in a series currently um, called Summertime Stories, and we've been looking at different narratives and stories in the book of Acts. And today we're going to be looking at a unique story in Acts chapter 28, verse 1 through 6 is where we'll start out. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. Let me give you a little context before I read it. Paul is currently a prisoner, and he has been on a ship, and he's on his way to Rome to stand before Caesar. A few weeks ago, Pastor Timmy preached here, and I believe Pastor Ryan preached it at Denham Springs, but they talked about how in Acts chapter 9, where Saul, who became Paul, that he had an encounter with Jesus, and his life radically changed. And from that point on, Paul was sold out to the things of God. But Saul has, Paul has had many encounters with the Holy Spirit, and God's used him and moved through him, but Paul also went some, through some very difficult times and some very difficult days. He's currently on his way to Rome as a prisoner. He's on a ship, and the ship wrecks, and they end up on an island called Malta. And in this text, something else happens, but I've titled this message today, if you're taking notes, Shipwrecked and Snake Bit. Shipwreck and Snake Bit. Let's start in verse 1. It says, once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. Interestingly, the name Malta means refuge. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake. I mean, you don't like snakes in here? You didn't raise your hand, there's something wrong with you? A poisonous snake, in the Greek it says a viper, it's even worse, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. Are you kidding me? Shipwrecked, a prisoner on his way into Rome, and now he's been bit by a snake. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand, and they said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. Just imagine they said it that way. Most likely they didn't. (laughs) Paul, check this out, shook off the snake into a fire and was unharmed. Final verse, the people waited for him to swell up and suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Shipwrecked and snake bit. How many of you have ever been in a season before where it seemed like everything that could go wrong was going wrong? I'm not talking to anybody in here this morning. I mean, if it could go wrong, it was going wrong. It was one attack after another. It's one hit after another. You're just trying to come up for air, and you're like, God, what's going on? You're trying your best to serve the Lord, to live for God, to do right, Man, to raise your family, to be a good husband, be a good wife, be a great student, be a great single person. You're just trying to live for God, but it seems like everything that could go wrong is going wrong in your life. One attack after another. I was thinking a a few years ago, my wife was, we had three kids at the time. My wife was at home, and, and I was at a church conference, and we were having a great time at this church conference, and God was moving. And my wife was at home with our five year old, our three year old, and our one year old at the time. And, and I call her after the session, 
And man, this guy preached this awesome message. I was fired up. And he talked about having kids and raising kids in a godly way and for the next generation just to take over the world. And I remember I called my wife and I was in the car and we're on our way to go somewhere to eat late at night. And I was like, baby, the Lord has spoken. We're supposed to have another child. Here she is. How many of you guys, sometimes you say something and your timing is just not right. Here she is. She's at home. She has a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old by herself at home. And she says, oh, really? I love my wife. She's amazing. But she said, oh, really? Well, guess what just happened in our world when you're out there at that church conference just being filled by the Holy Ghost? Probably on your way to go get a latte tonight. She said, I was bathing our two youngest. They were three and one. It wasn't weird. Three and one. Bathing them together. And, and one of them wasn't potty trained at the time and had an accident, a big accident, if you know what I'm talking about. Judah, my middle child, man, he gets sick at a drop of a hat. I mean, he gets sick, boom, sick. He ate a carrot this year in school, threw up everywhere. No more carrots for Judah. He gets out, jumps out of the tub, and he throws up everywhere. She said, that's what I'm going through right now, and you're telling me we're supposed to have another child. How I many you know that was poor timing, and it was bad, and it got worse? but the word of the Lord will not return void. Come on, somebody. The fourth one is almost here in a couple of weeks. You know, I love Paul because Paul was a man who loved God. He was passionate. He didn't just go through the motions of Christianity. He gave his life to it. Paul wasn't a guy who was just about what God would do for him. Sometimes I live life that way. God, I want you to do this for me. Paul was consumed about what God was going to do through him. And everywhere he went, change started to happen. People started to receive Jesus. He would start churches, and he was a missionary, and he would write a lot of the New Testament, and God used him in such a powerful way. He lived for Jesus. But can I tell you today, Paul had attacks in his life. And if Paul had some attacks, then guess what? We're going to have some attacks. There will be times in your life where you look around and you think, my goodness, God, where are you? I know I'm supposed to be blessed, but I don't feel blessed right now. I know I'm supposed to be the head, but I feel more like the tail right now. Am I preaching to anybody in here today? Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. I know you got some issues going on in your life. I mean, things happen in your world, in my world, but I love that Paul went through so much, but he responded so right. And today I want to just give just three responses that Paul had on this island when he had been shipwrecked and now snake bit. And the first one is this, is that Paul did not panic. How do you handle attack? Do not panic. Any, any panickers in the house today? I love Brother Doug Musso, he's an awesome guy, one of my closest friends. I love him. He's one of the funniest guys. When you get to know Doug, he's a great storyteller. He will have me belly laughing, man. He is so funny. But Doug is a panicker when it comes to injuries. We've been great friends up to this point. We'll see how it goes after today. But he is a panicker. Everybody on staff knows this who plays sports. Everybody knows it. If he gets injured, it's worst case scenario. Like, he's, we're going to have to amputate something on his body. I remember a few years ago, we were playing a, a football game, and we sometimes do this staff competition, 
and we have like the 30 plus versus the 20s. And I want to let you know that the 30 plus always dominate. It's just how it is. And we were dominating that day as normal. And Doug goes out for a pass. He catches a pass and he goes down on the ground and he's holding his, his leg. And Doug's like, oh no, I heard it. We run over there. I mean, we're laughing on our way over there. We're, we're terrible friends. We're running over there like, Doug, you okay? Dougie Doug, you all right, man? He says, oh man, I heard it. It popped. It popped. We said, what popped, Doug? My Achilles. I tore my Achilles. <laughs> Panicker right there. Miraculously, Doug got up. The Lord just healed his body right where he was. Walked to his car and drove away. And the next time we saw him, he was walking like nothing ever happened. Panic. Listen to me. When attacks come, panic will paralyze you. I want you to hear this this morning. Panic will cause you not to be present. When you're panicky on the inside, fearful on the inside, all worked up on the inside, you cannot be present mentally. You can't be present spiritually or emotionally because panic has gripped your soul. Here this man is, and he got bit by a snake, and somehow he didn't panic. Somehow he didn't lose his mind and lose his cool. And I'm not saying this morning, hey, don't ever feel emotions in your life. You're going to feel emotions. I'm going to feel emotions. You might have panic for a moment, but it should not seize you for an entire season. Because if it does, one of the greatest strategies of the enemy is he doesn't want you to experience the now and to miss out on what God is going to do here and today. Because panic will cause you to live in such frustration, such confusion, such worry, such anxiety, such fear that you'll miss the day that God has planted you in today. And somehow, Paul, there was no panic. And this is what I think the reason was, and this might be a little interesting take on it, but this is what I think it was. I think Paul expected adversity. I think he expected attacks. He said, man, that's not very encouraging. But it's the truth. Paul had been through so much already. He had already been shipwrecked. In Acts chapter 14, it says that he was stoned and left for dead. And they picked up rocks and threw it at him, and he got back up. The Bible talks about how he was thrown into prison with Silas, and we all know what had took place in midnight when they began to sing praises. Adversity was part of his life. He expected it. Now, he did not expect defeat. You and I need to expect attacks and expect adversity, but do not expect defeat. We serve a God who is all-powerful, who is all-knowing, who is in control, who has you in the palm of his hand. Even when the storms of life come, and they might be consecutive storms, you say, God, I just came through a storm, and here's another storm right away. I've been shipwrecked and now snake bit. Do not panic. God is in control. Don't panic. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. You're right, I might not, but God does. Don't panic. The enemy will use that as such a distracting tool to get your eyes off of Jesus and only consume with your circumstances, and you will lose your mind with where you are. Some of you, and I say this with great sensitivity, some of you right now, you can't even sleep at night. You wake up in the morning, the very first thing you think about is what might happen or what you're going through, and you're just consumed with panic. God has died as his son has been sent to give you not panic, but to give you peace in the midst of the storm. He expected it. The Bible even talks about it, James chapter 1, verse 2. I want to make sure that what I say is not just my own thoughts, but it's a scripture. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who I think knew some things, said, my brethren, count it all joy when, everybody say when, when you fall into various trials. 
He says, not if, it's a matter of when. Look what John says. Jesus says in the book of John, if you guys could pull that up. Jesus says in the book of John, he says, in this world you will have many sorrows. Let me start from the beginning, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will, everybody say will. You will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What's Jesus saying? What's James saying? You're going to have some bumps and bruises along the way. You're going to be attacked, especially, listen to me, especially if you're living for Jesus, especially if you're making a difference, especially if you're trying to raise godly kids, you're trying to be a spouse, and you're trying to live pure as a single person. You're going to have attacks in your life. Don't be caught off guard. I remember when me and Bethany first got married, man, she did this weird thing. You learn a lot about somebody when you marry them. She would hide behind walls in our little apartment and behind doors, and she would jump out and scare me. Who does that? Okay, y'all need to come to the altar right now. Everybody raise their hand. She just do that all the time. Amy, I'll be, be walking around the corner and rah, rah, scare me to death. One time I had, this is had a blueberry muffin in my hand. Scared me so bad, I just pelted her with it. Oh, no. Guess what? I expect it now. I'm like Kobe Bryant when the guy threw the ball and he didn't flinch, man. I'm not affected because I expect it now. Problem with us Christians is we believe this lie that just because you're a Christian, you don't go through hard times. That's not God. Now, again, I'm not talking about defeat, but I am talking about attacks. Do not panic is the first thing. Paul did not panic. The second thing is this, is don't believe the lies. Acts chapter 28, verse 4, the people of the island saw it hanging from his hand. Is this snake hanging from this man's hand. And they said to one another, a murderer. No doubt, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live Don't believe the lies that are said about your attack. Many people spend so much of their time trying to explain the why. Why you're going through this. Why you have this adversity. Why you're faced with this trouble. Why you have this infirmity. And they try to explain the why. And people are notorious, all of us. We will make assumptions all day long. This is sad, but it's true. It happens in church all the time. Happens with Christians all the time. Somebody's suffering. Somebody's going through something. Oh, you heard about Tommy, didn't you? You heard about Tommy this past week? Tommy lost his job. Oh, yeah, I heard about Tommy. I heard, I, I think, I think the Lord showed me something about Tommy. I think old Tommy has some secret sins in his life. Oh, yeah, Tommy's getting it from God right now. He thought everybody didn't know, but God knew, and he's bringing his judgment down on Tommy right now. You know old Sally? Oh, yeah, Sally. What about Sally? Her kids are are crazy. Oh, Sally and her crazy kids? I knew she wasn't raising them right. Look, there's a bunch of little hellions running around everywhere. Oh, Sally, sinful Sally, doing something wrong. We will make assumptions about people when they go through stuff. I know this is kind of funny and humorous, but man, don't be a person who points fingers and says, this is why you're going through this. These, these people in Malta, they didn't know Paul. They didn't know Paul. 
I mean, seriously, you read about Paul. This is a man who was so radical for God. He says, I don't even care if I die because I'll be with you. I mean, if you want me to stay here, God, then fantastic. I'll just keep leading more people to Jesus. But if you want to take me, that's, fan that's fantastic. I'll be with you. I don't even know which one to choose. This man was sold out. But people will make assumptions and they'll make declarations. And this is another thing people will do when you go through it. They'll say, you're not going to make it. Oh, yeah, your marriage? Man, you married to that guy? He's crazy. You're not going to make it. Just throw in the towel. Don't listen to advice that's opposed to the word of God. People say, hey, and your kids that's gone crazy, your kids just living in the world. Oh, they're kidding. He ain't going to make it. These people, they, they looked at Paul, they got snake bitten. The very first thing they thought is, he's going to die. He's dead. Put a fork in him. He's done. Don't believe the lies that people speak over your life. If you believe it, you'll receive it and you'll live it. Don't believe it, man. When, when, when the enemy comes and speaks lies to you, or maybe even worse, when your own self speaks lies about your situation. Oh, man, I, I'm going through this. Man, God, God's not for me. God's not with me. Look what I'm facing. Look what I, my finances are doing. Look what my job is doing. Look at this situation I have in my family relationship-wise. God must be against me. Do not believe the lies. Paul was unfazed by these people's words. I love it when the word of God trumps and just outlasts and stands higher than any other word in your life. When you say, I believe the word of God and I might be facing adversity, but my God is still with me. My God is still for me. The same God who delivered me from the past is the God who will deliver me in my present. And you believe God to break through in your life. Job's friends did this, didn't they? They looked at Job. The Bible describes him as a near perfect man in the Hebrew in the first two chapters. They looked at Job and his life has fallen apart. And there's calamity all around. They think, man, Job, they didn't just think it. They said to Job, there has to be sin in your life. God shows up at the end of the book and he smokes his friends. He says, you don't know what you're talking about. The disciples even did this. And in John chapter 9, there's a man who was born blind. And his disciples come to Jesus and says, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? And look at what Jesus says in John chapter 9, verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this has happened so that the works of God might be on display for him. Don't believe the lies. Hold on to God's word. The final thing is this, is that Paul shook it off. Who knew Taylor Swift had a little inspiration from the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Paul shook it off. Verse 5 says, but Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. Gets bit in the hand. But I love that Paul didn't just let that snake stay on the hand. Y'all remember that guy? Is it Steve Irwin? Crocodile hunter? I love that guy. I, mean, I could watch those videos on YouTube all day long. Oh, isn't this a beauty? Look at this amazing, marvelous creature. Just with one strike, I would be dead. Like, you would get right next to him. Paul didn't look at this snake and be like, oh, it's a beautiful serpent. What an amazing attack. That's a feisty one. Just sinking its fangs into my hand. Paul didn't do that. 
That'd be crazy, right? Paul shook it off into the fire to destroy it. He said, David, what in the world does this have to do with me? It has everything to do with you. Because when we're attacked, we're not going to panic. And when assumptions are made and we even lie to ourselves, we're not going to believe the lies. And when the enemy comes in, we're not going to just stand there passively and allow him to have his way. We're going to shake it off into the fire. We're going to speak to it. We're not just going to say, hey, I hope he lets go soon. Man, this is miserable. Don't like this very much. We're going to be active and proactive in our faith. A passion, pa- uh, passive Christian is a powerless Christian. And I'm telling you, listen, you don't hear anything else today, just listen to this. Have some spiritual grit about yourself. Some people in here need to wake up this morning. I'm telling you, you need to get this. Get some fire in your bones. If the enemy is coming in and your life is like it's been shipwrecked and snake bit and it's attack after attack, it doesn't mean you've done something wrong, but you don't just stand there idly and passively allowing the enemy to have his way in your life. You speak the word of God. You pray with some fervency. I don't know about that, man. Pray. That's what you guys do up there. No, you're a Christian. You pray to God. You seek his face. Pray in English. Pray in the spirit. Ooh, we're getting weird up here today. You talking about praying in tongues? Yes, I'm talking about praying in tongues. Say, man, that's strange. I, I think today will be my last Sunday. We believe some strange stuff, right? We believe a man survived in a belly of a fish for three days and got out. We believe that God sent his son to die on a cross and three days later rose from the grave. We believe that God set apart Noah and his family and he built an ark before they ever seen any rain and they did not flood in the ark. That's some weird stuff. So why do we think the New Testament talks about praying in the spirit and Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that he'll give you moans and groans that words cannot utter and that God will fight for you through it. If your kids are being attacked, pray over your kids. If your marriage is underneath an onslaught of the enemy, don't just sit there and say, man, I hope we make it. I'm just going to let the snake dangle a little while. Let the venom sink in a little bit more. No, man, get yourself up. Start praying to God. Start asking God for a breakthrough and for a miracle and for a sign and for a word. And watch God move. I'm a whole lot more fired up than you guys are today. <laughs> you, you don't receive it. I'm receiving it. Man, don't be passive. Man, don't just go through the motions. Don't just say, well, I guess this is just the way it is. I guess my finances will always stay this way. No, man. Make good decisions. Seek after God. Shake it off in the fire. Destroy it in the fire. And the final thing is this. If we will respond the right way, even when pain and hardship and difficulty comes, God will redeem the pain. There will not be one ounce of pain as you respond. You say, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to believe the lies. And I'm going to fight back and I'm going to shake it into the fire. That God will not redeem it. I want you to listen to this and, and please This is the most powerful portion of this text. Do not zone out here. Verse 7 and 8, and then we'll end. It says this.
Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publis, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days, okay? Three days. As it happened, Publis' father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in, listen to this, and prayed for him. And laying his hands on him, he healed him. Laying his hands on him. Luke is the author of the book of Acts. Luke is both a historian and a physician. He is meticulously detailed. He is very pointed and descriptive in what he writes and what he says. Luke says, three days later, Paul enters a room where a man is desperate for healing. Paul comes in and he lays his hands on him. This is the first time in the book of Acts, 28 chapters, since chapter 9, Paul is introduced in the scene. The first time in the book of Acts where it's recorded where Paul laid his hands on someone and prayed for healing. I like that Luke says hands because we don't know which hand was struck. But what is Luke saying? He said, Paul didn't come in there and hide the hand that received the attack. Cover up the hand that was struck by the serpent. No. Luke says that Paul revealed the hand that had been attacked. Say, David, you seem very excited about this. Where are you going with this? This is where I'm going. We have a tendency to cover up pain. We have a tendency to cover up the attacks we've been through. We have a tendency to say, I don't want to be vulnerable. But do you know that in your vulnerability, people's lives are impacted? It's not your strength that people are moved by. Man, I just, my life's perfect. Man, perfect Peter walking along the road. My life's grand and marvelous and magnificent. I've never had a, an issue in my life. People are unfazed by that. But when they see a man who overcame, when they see a marriage that looked like there ain't no way it's going to happen. Man, you see how much they fight, how much they argue, how much they go through, how their kids are living. When you see somebody who has sickness and looks like there's no way, but people hold on to Jesus. And when they are vulnerable, God is powerful because the scripture says in your weakness, I am strong. And Paul stretched out his hands. You got to know that there are still markings on that hand of the fangs that had sunk in. But as Publius's father saw it coming near him, the same God who healed me of the viper is the same God who can heal you of this sickness. The same God 
who got your marriage and saved it can be used to heal somebody else's marriage. The same mother in here who prayed for years that their son would repent and turn to God is the same mother that God can use you to bring hope and life into another mother's heart. The person who's been through even addictions and you've made bad decisions, but you're holding on to God. You're saying, Lord, I need you. And God is going to deliver you. I speak that over you in the name of Jesus. Don't come into church covering up the attacks because when you do that, the spirit is quenched. But when you are vulnerable and real and honest and authentic, God uses an instrument in a vessel like that. I can use that. I can change that. I can heal that. What has been struck in your life? Wherever the enemy strikes the most is usually what God wants to use the most. For our God is working. You hear me today? Our God is working. Well, I don't see it, David. He's working still. He's working still. He says he works all things together. The good, the bad, the ugly, the sickness, the health, the wealth, the poor. He works all things together for the glory of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.